0: Where he, like he walks into a room and like he's like you know he hears like a sound and it's like an, an abandoned uh, house and he sort of goes through and he's like Val Kilmer's walking through like what's going on what's going on what's going on it's in like the daytime and then he just turns around and he like pulls back a shower curtain and it's literally just an owl that just goes like
1: bah!
0: <laughs> 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 and then like and then like the owl flies off and it's just like and it just carries on he <laughs> <It> sounds like that's <laughs> like no
2: Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. I'm Gav.
1: I'm Alex. And I'm Dave.
2: And this week we've got another good show lined up for you as we put the 2011 comic book movie Thor on trial. Is it Valhalla or is it film? <laughs> nice. <laughs> accurate. Nice.
1: Accurate. Nice. Yeah.
2: Accurate. Yes, accurate it's like it's or, yeah, or hell. Uh, if you did get that one, I've got a backup one. Is it Chris Hemsworthy? Or is it Tom Higgledy-Piggledy? Oh, oh, you've ruined Gav.
0: it. I love that. No, sorry. That's one of my favourite ones you've ever done. No, M- you've ruined, ruined it now. Tom Higgledy-Piggledy. <laughs> oh. You had highbrow, Gav, and you, you took it away. I'm sorry, that. People, people don't say Higgledy-Piggledy
2: enough. <laughs> and there's one thing that we want from this podcast is, if you listen to this, the takeaway is use Higgledy-Piggledy in a sentence. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You get the cool yeah. slang with us.
2: <laughs> Now, essentially, we're going to find out if this film would be placed on our esteemed hit list or our steaming shit list. Now, before we go on, our last film on trial was Matrix Reloaded. Like that. i put that sound effect nice. in there. Thanks. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I judged that trial and I deemed that it should be placed on their hit list. I have since gone away and I watched the film. So did I make the right call? I personally think that I did. I purposely didn't watch Matrix 1. Beforehand, because I didn't want that to cloud my judgment. So the I thought, like right. I mean, I've seen it enough times to know what's going on. Anyway, so I just watch the second one, and you know what, it was. It was good. You know, I thought there was enough action. I, I didn't think that the dialogue was too heavy. I know there was a lot of philosophy in there, and there was a lot of talking, but you know, it didn't. It didn't bore me at any points. And at the end, though, I, I was feeling sort of this slight optimism, uh, and then this crashing sort of reality of just like oh no actually the third one's shit <laughs> but yeah yeah yeah
0: the one's beyond yeah shit yeah,
2: yeah. So, so I think as a standalone film I think it's good I think if you compare it to the first one it's nowhere near as good but then if you compare it to the third one you know it's it's much better so it's a yeah. classic anyway did you uh, think
0: that Mara, did you think the Merovingian do you think he was French enough I, I think he could have been too more French. French I was thinking
2: <laughs> maybe if he would have had a string of um, onions, <laughs> onions around his neck
0: and, and he was doing it on a bicycle. His lines as, yeah, yeah, as he yeah. rode around the restaurant. Yeah. If he
2: had like a horizontally striped black, white, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. long sleeve yeah. t shirt and was carrying a baguette, I think that's <laughs> the only other way that they could have made him out to be more French than he was. You know
1: what? They should have just CGI'd Pepe Le Pew. <laughs> <laughs> Warner uh,
2: Brothers got the rights. <laughs> it it did it did make me think. There, it was like they did sort of tease these endless possibilities didn't they they were talking about like vampires werewolves and all sorts of like horrific elements of the matrix that could spring upon us at any time and then d- they just didn't you know it's yeah, just yeah, like yeah. it would have been cool I think to see like all these, these different other programs uh, these these other realities that could have been brought to us it was, like this sort of fantastical element a bit like Harry Potter but uh, no it's none of that maybe in the fourth one then maybe they will have oh, those God, elements yeah the fourth one yeah, yeah. I don't think it's a good idea oh well Um, Anyway, so on to the trial. Now all of the roles have been picked out of the hat at random. So acting in defence and trying to get this film placed on the hit list will be Dave. Now Dave is just like Anthony Hopkins' character Odin, a a wise old sage with poor vision and bad decision-making abilities. (laughs) I'll give you that one. I'll give you that. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, acting as prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the shit list will be Alex and hello Aussie. (laughs) Hello. <laughs> Hi. Uh, nice. Top, by the way, you look like that character from the Suicide Squad. What is it, Polkadot Man? <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so Alex is just like Idris Elba's character, Heimdall. You get the feeling that throughout the entire series, his heart just isn't truly in it. And <laughs> that he's probably daydreaming about The Wire. <laughs> and Ozzy is just like Chris Hemsworth character Thor it takes a number of years and several episodes before you begin to properly appreciate him and he has a love-hate relationship with his brother um (laughs) (laughs) sorry
3: uh, you were implying that I looked a bit like uh like him from Avengers He's really let himself go. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. No, uh, no, of course not. Of course not. I was just insulting you and your family. You um, don't know that you've got a love hate relationship with your brother. The hate's coming from Jeffrey's side. Him and, uh, to, to sugarcoat it for you, Ozzy, he called you an arsehole. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs>
0: Must be sad having to do a laugh to track to your own insult. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs>
2: so, uh, now, just like real court advocates, the defence and the prosecution will be making the best case for their roles. Uh, just like uh, i don't know what i'm saying now these may or may not be their real opinions though so do stay tuned until the end of the episodes to hear what they really think which means this week i have the most important role as i'll be playing the judge and i'm a little bit like tom hiddleston's character loki a smarmy odd-looking prick (laughs) (laughs) but one that you probably shouldn't like you know, the amount of times he's fucked over his friends and nearly got them <laughs> killed. But somehow,
1: you still like him oh, and you wow. don't know why. Man.
2: That, that's pretty you act, isn't it? Yeah, I, I've often
1: wondered, yeah.
2: I mean, I, I often think that sometimes when, when I say all these insults to you, I do have a moment where I'm like, why are they still my friends? I don't
1: know yeah, to, to be honest them. with you, Norse God of trickery, the amount of, Bullshit you fellas for years. <laughs> you fed it's taken blast. years to come out. <laughs> know, you never
0: you never know which up, ones are still sort of just waiting <laughs> to come out. You One know what mean?
1: Surface, Once he's
2: yeah. just buried
0: in your consciousness that he's just wait he knows they're there. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know,
2: I think it's been so long that I've probably forgotten them myself. It gives cause sometimes. People would say stuff to me, and I'm like, Oh no, yeah, that was just a lie. You know, like that time with Dave, unfortunately, I'm sorry, uh, on holiday, about I think I told you a lie about four years ago, and you said that. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, What are you on about? And I was like, Oh God, yeah, no, I was just lying. And you, were, you were like, I can't believe you've been lying to me for four years. And I was like, No, 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 I told you a lie four years ago.
1: <laughs> God, I didn't maintain the lie, I just disprove it. That was essentially, <laughs>
2: yeah, I thought I just I remembered a, a relevant one to Thor. I was watching Celebr- Big Brother with my mom a few years ago, and uh, like I was saying, oh, you're really excited about the lineup this year. I can't believe that they've got like such a big star coming in. And she's like, "Who's coming in?" I was like, "Don't you know? You-, you haven't read it in the papers. You haven't you haven't, you haven't seen it on the news." And she's like, "No." And I was like, "It's Anthony Hopkins." And she's like, "No way." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anthony, Hop- <laughs> Anthony Hopkins is going to be in the- no." I like, "Honestly, like he said, he's a big fan of the show. He's always wanted to do. He's got some time off in between his busy schedule. You know, it's filming quite close to where he lives, and he thought, you know." What why not? It's only like three weeks or whatever. So he's doing it. She's like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" you get all these like Anthony from Blue, or you know, like some uh, Towie person, or you know, like, yeah. like some some like no marks essentially. And then right at the very end, they're like, "Oh, have we got somebody for you. Have we got like a big star?" And we're like, "Oh my god, is that the Hopkins? Is that the <laughs> It was somebody like... Fuck, I can't even remember who it was. It was somebody like Emma Bunting, or you know, like t- <laughs> or, <laughs> never going to live up to it. Anyway, anyway, oh. sorry. Uh, enough about my horrible lying. Uh, abilities um but before we get started i think that we should probably give the audience a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is about so why don't we spin the wheel of impressions <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh it's actually landed on joel but i think obviously you are the one most dressed like a cow uh, so, <laughs> wow! <laughs> right, he's just got a black and a white top on. I, I, so, um, so yeah. If you wouldn't mind reading the synopsis, I, I just don't know how how we should read it. So, what we do here is read out the synopsis in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film. How, how should he
1: read
0: I think it? Just a deep, manly god voice. Yeah,
2: you know? yeah.
1: Give it, give it, Thor. Give it some Thor.
3: The powerful but arrogant god, Thor. Is cast out of Asgard <laughs> to live amongst humans in Midgard, Earth, where he soon becomes one of their finest defenders. Oh my nice. God, you'd, you'd
0: be like my favourite god. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you'd freak I'd, me out, but I'd, I'd, I'd worship the, it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: hey man,
2: that's very good. Well done. I did um, a lot okay. of practice with the
3: microphone recently. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, Now, allow me to kick off proceedings. So I think we're going to start with a bit of an overview. So, Dave, can you try and keep it brief? Just give us a bit Mm -hmm. of a summary. What is this film all about and why should I like it?
1: Okay, so brief summary of this film. So this is one of the earliest MCU films. Obviously, MCU has been around for a little while now. We've been introduced to many uh, heroes over the years. This is your introduction to Thor, who was along the way become a fan favourite. Uh, taste of Thor uh, and of Chris Hemsworth's portrayal of Thor adapted from the Marvel comics, which uh, preceded them. A uh, bit of a fan favorite in the comics as well. And it became a fan favorite with cinema goers. So essentially in this story, you got Thor, um, not the Thor we've, that we know these days. It's more of an arrogant Thor. He's more immature. He's more rash. He's He's got no sense of real judgment. He is um, a bit of a loose cannon, to be honest with you. So he makes a huge mistake and gets banished to Earth. So he gets to visit Earth, and he basically is stripped of his powers and has to basically become a man, um, rival his brother, Loki, who's trying to usurp his throne from behind his back, um, and learn what it is to to be revered by mortals again. Because obviously with the Norse gods, they were... Uh, aliens, essentially, is what this this film puts out there. There are aliens that just came to Earth to help Earth deal with things like frost giants and other mythical creatures that would have done them harm, and they ended up being worshipped. So obviously, he's been around for centuries, and while well, once worshipped uh, as a god, that's obviously slipped back into the sidelines. The Norse gods are no longer worshipped. Well. Not by many. And, Speak for yourself, Dave. Yeah, well, you, know, you keep your customs to yourself. But <laughs> <laughs> um, and essentially, yeah, it's about him learning to work with men again, uh, mankind, and uh, ultimately become the god that he's supposed to be and the heir to Asgard that he's supposed to be.
2: Lovely stuff. Thank you very much, Dave. Very concise, very thorough. I, I think that sounds pretty simple. Very, you know, sort of, um, you know, very, I don't want to say like a simple plot, but. I mean, it, it does. It's not overly complicated, and it sounds like I would enjoy it, Alex. Why wouldn't I enjoy this film?
0: Because it's basically all continuous plot from the start to the finish. Like it, I'd say, it is a simple plot, but every scene is just another bit of plot being put into your face mm-hmm. again and again and again. It, this film doesn't take much time to really enjoy itself. It doesn't. So, so you've got like you've got some really interesting setups here you've got like thor being in the real world like when he's landed in hospital and he's getting to know the humans and stuff like that but it doesn't just spend time uh like enjoying that moment you've got this god that's come down and how is he going to sort of you know almost like a fish out of water syndrome and you're like oh this will be an interesting part and then you just get thrown in with another bit of like another bit of plot points it just sort of goes from plot to plot to plot you have this parallel thing where loki's sort of usurping the throne in asgard as thor's in as thor's in um in midgard and on earth just doesn't really it doesn't really take the time to make itself interesting it like for example take the example of the love story between thor and um uh, natalie portman in in the in say again Jane. Jane, Jane, sorry, yeah. <laughs> so it, it just doesn't really take time to do it. I mean, it happens. They have about two or three scenes together, and then it's like they're in love because they just have to be in the plot just because. Do you know what I mean? It's not really much more than that. So I find it, I find it um, a disappointing film. It's just too much plot, and it just doesn't at any point slow down and and make it interesting. It sort of just assumes the um, the viewers with you without really earning it by making it interesting it's quite it's just a, it's quite a dull watch
2: okay and um, dave quite a dull mm-hmm. watch i mean alex has said that there's just too much plot going on i mean what is the script like is it very plot heavy or does it kind of uh, to, uh, as alex said, make you um okay just assume does it assume that the audience already knows who this character is and what they're all talking about
1: Um, I'd say there is a bit of an assumption made, but a a fair assumption. In as of they expect the audience probably understand that Thor, uh, forget the uh, Marvel side of Thor, forget the comic book character. They assume that the audience will have a vague idea of who Thor is, you know, the Norse god of thunder. Uh, Possibly they've heard of Odin. They know he's his father. They might have heard of Asgard or Valhalla. You know, there's bits about Norse mythology that, that is in the general population's mind I would say they do seem to know a little bit about it so I'd say it's a fair assumption that you don't have to introduce them as heavily as maybe you would uh, a more obscure Marvel character that doesn't have any groundings in like mythology or or the real world so I'd say there's a little bit of an assumption there but I think it's a fair one to make um, and they don't layer it on too heavily there's a little expository dialogue just to explain to people but it's done mostly with the use of cutaways you know voiced over by Anthony Hopkins who plays Odin um, and I think, you know, they fly through it relatively quickly. They just give you the key points. They give you the key bullet points. That you need to know what's gone on before, what has preceded this story that you're now watching. And then they move on with the story that they're telling. And I don't think it, it, it's it got a good plot in as far as it flows. So it does move quickly through its plot points. But that's what story meant to do. It's meant to flow like that, meant to meander. They don't labor on one for too long. I think it moves a decent enough pace. Uh, I would say it maybe slows down slightly when he's on Earth for a bit after the bit where he's tried to... Um, take back Molnir his hammer which he's without his powers he can't lift I'd say maybe it slows down for a little bit there but that's only for I would say 20 minutes or so in a in what is a relatively long film and I don't think you want to go too deep into explaining things and explaining who Thor is and where he's come from otherwise you know that that the film's time is just going to get beyond you
2: okay thanks Dave Uh, Alex uh,
0: you've got a point there just, just I, I would say we definitely don't want to... I mean, I don't want any more explanation of Asgard and all of this different stuff. What, what I feel the film just missed was these opportunities to have a bit of fun. There's not a lot of sense of humour in this. I'm not saying there's no jokes. I'm just saying there's not... There's not an, there's not an element of thinking, right, this is the interesting part of a story, so let's slow down. Let's stop doing all of that Asgard politics stuff and let's enjoy that Thor's finally back on Earth. Or let's explore how the humans it just sort of goes from pot to pot to pot. So I I, I think I wish it had slowed down a bit. I wish it had been a bit slower in bits and we could have built up back characters. I'm sure we'll come to that a bit in in a bit. We could have built up his relationship with Jane and all of these because, you know, it doesn't slow down and it is just sort of, I wouldn't, you know, it's just, it's just very blandly paced and it sort of just goes on and on and on and on and on. But you, you just feel like the heart of the film really was that bit where Thor comes down to earth. And, and you just, like, that goes, it goes past it really, really quick. And you're just like, Why, where am I now? And it just carries on from there. And I, I just, I think you don't get over that disappointment throughout, throughout the rest of the film. And it just doesn't really seem interesting.
2: Okay, uh, thanks. Um, Ozzy, Dave mentioned that like the film slows down a bit when Thor gets to earth. Alex said that Thor getting to earth should be the biggest part of the film. Um, uh, Dave also said that, like when he does come down to Earth, it slows down the pace of the film, slows down. But that's only twenty minutes for what he said was a relatively long film. So, firstly, what do you think about the length of the film? Is it, is it too long? And secondly, does it slow down at that point? And do you think that it it shouldn't because it's you know it's such an important moment?
3: So I remember the very very first time, so I watched Thor. I felt like it was one of the most boring films I've ever, ever, ever seen. You know, it's long and it's wordy. There's lots of just unnecessary dialogue, and it's exactly as Alex said. It's just plot after plot after plot. There's never time to just yeah to enjoy what you're watching and to enjoy the the real visuals which can be had here. So that bit, fully, fully on Alex's side. Since watched it uh, again uh, very recently and um you can see that it's an early part of this cinematic universe, and you can see that he's just been they've just thrown him out here to get him in before Avengers came out. It's really just a way of introducing a character as quickly as you can so that he can be part of the bigger the biggest fear this is a it's a really, really long film um with pretty, you know the, it, you could have really enjoyed not being on earth. <laughs> and built up to him coming to Earth, that would have been a great story. The backstory, you know, the the bit where he fights the the frost giants and all that sort of shit—that's exciting. Like that's actually good, and that they're like pretty passable as a scary uh, monster. And then, um, yeah, then he comes to Earth, and like it's like Superman. You know, it's a film that we've all watched before, or a story that you already know, and it's just not really done very well. You come down, and he meets, you know a shit scientist or three shit scientists to hey I like, think
2: that, like, <laughs> let's not question how, how good they are at their jobs <laughs> what three I mean like, they, call, well, like no, they he's got a point
3: they're meant to be <laughs> like astrophysicists you know and they're actually it's like watching uh, what's that film Twister that's yeah. what they are they're yeah. just the scientists from Twister like meteorologists yeah. they're not <laughs> astrophysicists they're just chasing storms to, to, to do whatever you know which is exciting in itself but what a great film
0: but four um, <laughs> meets three shit scientists on Earth what, <laughs> what will happen
1: like, I mean what better what better for meteorologists to meet than the actual god the actual thunder <laughs>
3: <laughs> however they're astrophysicists so you know it's kind of kind, kind of a moot point but um, it's just for me it was just a bit tedious as, as a film there's lots of glimmers of hope in there but it's early days in the cinematic universe and and in comparison with the film that came before it, you know, Iron Man mm. and Iron Man 2. It's shit. Like it's just <laughs> it's just in comparison to them. And and like you mentioned in the starting point, that yeah, and you if you take it just on its own merit, I, I think it you would I think you could quite quickly get turned off the cinematic universe and just the superhero genre in, in general. It feels like it's tired and, and you know they had to really give it a kickstart afterwards. It's only, you know, I think it's only until you go to Ragnarok when Thor became a, a character that you could be bothered to watch.
2: Okay, right. Thank you very much for that, Ozzy. I want to talk about the direction. So when it was announced that Kenneth Branner was going to be directing a comic book movie, everybody was like, that's very interesting. And... It was actually the main reason that Natalie Portman signed on to the job in the first place because she said she was so interested to see what a comic book movie directed by Kenneth Branagh would look like. Yeah. So she didn't want to pass the opportunity up. So, so she- the, the question... <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: yeah. so, order, order. Shut up. <laughs> uh, so, so the question to Dave is, how mm-hmm. does like infamous, classically trained Shakespearean actor and director Kenneth Branagh, how does he tackle a comic book movie what does he bring to it you know obviously we're talking about Norse mythology and gods Austin
3: I want to butt straight in I'll tell you what he brings to it he brings <laughs> the Shakespearean soliloquy to the big stage needlessly so and what we end up with is Thor having big long wordy uh <laughs> rants in, in a posh uh, British accent essentially
2: well, that's what I mean, we've got so, some people some people might like that Austin you know I mean I can think of many people that have paid a lot of money to see Kenneth Branagh do the exact same thing over the years <laughs> uh, but uh, you know at least with this time you've got explosions and frost giants so you know I mean what's really better are you going to go and pay to see Henry V to see <laughs> Kenneth Branagh just is. stand there and, with the English yeah. accent going if on if you like Gab I can
1: tag in and I can defend this
2: film <laughs> <laughs> anyway right. <laughs> right yeah so, so Dave yeah yeah um, yeah, what does Kenneth Branagh bring to it, you know? And does he do? Does he do a good job?
1: I would say he does. I think Kenneth Branagh is not—he's one of those directors. I would say that it can be quite flawed, you know. I accept that in terms of the stage he's now untouchable in terms of what he's capable of bringing to the stage. But in film, I think there have been flaws in his work in the past. Right, you thinking of
2: not Artemis Fowl, surely. Oh, I I, I don't know. I
1: I wouldn't like to point fingers. That had to be brought up (laughs) up at some point. I'm glad we've got that out. (laughs) But in this, like you say, this is a comic book movie. This should not be the sort of thing Kenneth Branagh is any good at. And actually, he shows you some versatility here. He actually can direct a comic book action sequence. He actually can deal with characters who are, you know, from uh, this comic book world, you know they're not these deep Shakespearean tragic heroes. I mean, I suppose you couldn't say Thor can be interpreted as a tragic hero, but I I dispute that there are long soliloquies, long Shakespearean soliloquies in this. This was a film that was aimed at you know the the preteen or early teen market. You know this is for kids. They're not going to keep the kids on board if they keep the the dialogue to this like expansive. Uh, you know, visual epic poem, you know, it's not going to work that way. So I would say the dialogue is short and snappy. I mean, that's more down to the script than branner but I would say his direction is fantastic and he gets good performances out of his cast. I'm sure we'll move on to them shortly. But in terms of the visual epic, I'm going to bring that in as well. The visual side of things, the camera work from this is superb. You know, the man's got a great eye for of how to frame a shot. He's got a great uh, idea of how to bring out the most of Asgard and how to show us this side of Asgard. You know, I mean, obviously the CGI fills in a lot of the gaps It is uh, CGI heavy, this realm of Asgard. But I think the interior shots that he has to do, the work that he has to do with the characters, I think he excels. I really do think uh, Kenneth Branagh showed a great deal of versatility in this, worked well with the cast, and actually delivered a tour de force.
2: Thank you very much for that, Dave. Yeah, That's a good point that Dave makes. The This is the first time that we've seen Asgard. This is the first time that we've seen otherworldly location in the MCU. So it's a big ask to kind of bring that to the screen for the first time and to conceptualize that, visualize that, and then give, you know, essentially, that is then going to be used as, A sort of a starting block for other directors in the future because as you know as the MCU has progressed it's gone more sort of otherworldly it's gone more into space and different dimensions so yeah it's you know an interesting starting block Um, it must have been difficult so how how did he uh, tackle that Alex? Uh,
0: You know the CGI of Asgard itself is uh, you know I'd, I'd say it's good you know the actual exterior shots of the city which you know there aren't many but you got the Bifrost Bridge, and you know they kept that in, uh, you know, up till Thor Ragnarok. So, you know, it set a good. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it set a bad stage for for the city of Asgard. It does have, you know, when you got those interior shots of like of the palace grounds, when you've got a room, a big picture, it's fine. But when you got, it just feels like that CGI. You know, like those feelings that they're not actually like level on the floor, almost where they're standing. It's got that kind of throne room feeling where you just feel like you're in a CGI fest and it doesn't, those bits haven't dated well. Um, I'd say the CGI is a bit of an issue. I mean, I think Dave's oversold it a little bit on Kenneth Branagh's direction here. I wouldn't say there's anything particularly where I ever thought it was very, I mean, mean, it was was quite bland in a way that nothing really beyond a normal sort of, tv show directing really there was nothing no no sequences that i thought wow that really required you know a lot of it's just over the you know it's a lot of like aussie's right there's an awful lot of talking in in this film an awful lot of just dialogue and it's an awful lot of just over the shoulder dialogue you know uh just coming back to cgi because i would i would disagree with aussie when he said that the initial sequence with the frost giants was good i didn't think it was good actually i um i thought it was really dark i mean the first action sequence there, there isn't a lot of action in this action film and that's one of the biggest ones is right at the beginning when he's fighting the frost giants and it's maybe it's good but it's so dark that honestly I, I like i was watching it with my wife and she was like like my eyes are hurting just because you don't you're kind of straining to see what's going on i understand it's a dark realm or whatever like that but it, it just isn't it's not very fun to watch, and I think it does that that terrible, um, makes that cardinal sin, which I think they learn from, which is it's better to have a small amount of good CGI than an awful lot of dark CGI. Um, there, and then there just really isn't that much action after that, and, and it's all CGI, all of it. And I know, you know, 2011, it was a bit more acceptable then, but you know after that you've got pretty much no action until when he tries to get the hammer and then it's kind of like a boring few little fights again nothing you wouldn't see in your standard tv show and then later on in the town you get the destroyer come and he sort of just iron mans everything with his eyes and destroys things and people are sort of flying bits and bobs but yet again like Ozzy's saying when this destroyer is coming and you think like, is this the climax of the film? When the destroyer is coming and flying these lasers out of his head, they're still talking to each other. They're still having these big chats to each other. And you're like, Oh my God, like shut up. And these fake outs that where he's like, Oh, I'm not going to hit you. then I do hit you. And it, it's just extremely boring. And then after, even after that's finished, you've got 25 minutes more and it ends up in this climactic CGI fest where you've got lasers flying into Jotunheim and then lasers flying this way. And, it's just a bit. It's all just a bit headachey, and it's all very CGI. And and I would uh, I would say, the direction just isn't isn't good enough, really. And the CGI. I don't think even at the time. I'm not saying it's bad, dated badly. It isn't. It just isn't used well. It's not a good, not a good use of funds.
2: Okay, uh, Dave, Mm -hmm. talking in more detail about the action then, you've spoken about the direction and how the action set pieces were directed. Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, at the end of the day, this is a superhero film. People go to see superhero films, uh, I'm not going to say mainly for the action, but I think that is a large part of it.
1: Absolutely.
2: Alex said that there isn't a a large amount of action sequences here. There's the Frost Giant battle at the beginning, there's the Mm Destroyer battle at the end. Anything yeah. else of note to mention, and that how well are those two uh, battles or you know fights filmed?
1: Yeah, um, well, the opening battle with the uh, the frost giants, I thought I agree with Austin. I thought it was very exciting. I could see it fine. It didn't seem too dark to me. At the end of the day, you got the god of thunder shooting lightning everywhere. That provides you a fair bit of illumination, even in a dark world like this. Do you think um, the frost
2: giants just needed a few more fires? <laughs> possibly, possibly, you know. Okay. <laughs> I
1: mean, I don't know what the Frost Giants are so afraid of. You know, what's the worst that could happen if they just lit a little fire for themselves <laughs> to keep warm? Um, and the second sequence against the Destroyer, which happens towards the end, again, I thought that was a decent uh, battle sequence. That's actually over relatively quickly, though, to be honest with you. So I didn't find it too headachey at all. You know, it's... Um, it serves its purpose, battling the Destroyer. And then you've got the final battle where the Frost Giants invade Asgard and they battle Loki for a bit and then Loki and Thor fight on the Bifrost. Again, that's a good uh, it's a good character piece as well as a good action set piece because you get to see the deterioration of the relationship between these two brothers, which really is the crux of this film. You know, Loki and Thor start off very close and as allies and you start to see their relationship basically crumble before your eyes. You know, that is one of the driving points of this film and one of the reasons why this film is so important insofar as the big picture of MCU. Loki will become very important and his relationship with Thor becomes very important. My favourite action sequence we haven't even touched on It's one that is actually... of cgi now i agree with alex there is a lot of cgi in this an awful lot of cgi in this but when you think of how the realm of asgard is meant to be and some of the battles in this the mcu films all rely very heavily on cgi and i think it's used to great effect here you know i think it really set the stage and got your expectations up for the kind of thing you're going to see but my favorite action sequence has none and that's the scene where thor is breaking into basically the shield compound S.H.I.E.L.D. have found Molnir, which is like embedded in rock. No one can move it. So they've built like a little base around it while they study it and research it. And Thor breaks in. He's got no powers. He has no hammer. So he has to fight the agents on his way there as he's running through this like circle of like, it looks a bit like the lab from the end of E.T., you know, the field lab that they set up. It looks (laughs) a little bit like that. And he's fighting agents on the way, throwing people out the way. You also get your first um, introduction to Hawkeye who again will become a a crucial part of the MCU. He is uh, briefly cameoed in this. You know, you get Hawkeye uh, with Jeremy Renner, um, as as he's told basically to take Thor down and then is called off last minute. Uh, But this sequence as he's going through hand-to-hand fighting with these agents, it's fast-paced, you know, it's, it's exciting, it's exhilarating, and it's devoid of CGI. It's just stunt work and i don't think we see enough stunt work um, in mcu i think a captain america films had some good moments but a lot of it is cgi fighting and you get a fair dose of that but there are some real gems of good action choreography in here if you look them
2: thank you very much dave Um i i just want to talk touch about uh, upon something that we talked about earlier uh humor in the film so one of the things that sets the mcu apart Or you know the MCU films, apart from other comic book films, is it's got a nice balance, a nice blend of action and comedy as well. That even in the most sort of serious of the MCU films, like you know the uh, Infinity War and Endgame or whatever, there are still these elements of humour, and it's it's a it's a good recipe that they've got, and they've worked out a formula for you know what makes a perfect superhero film, and they use it. And a lot of that is down to having. Yeah, these funny interactions or bits of uh, dialogue or like a funny sequence or whatever. Um, Alex said that it's devoid of humour. Um, it's uh, trying to be impartial. <laughs> what would you say the, the humour is like in this? Are there any funny moments?
3: Um, there are there are jokes, but they don't land, not in this. I think the problem is that they they hadn't... They, they're obviously trying to set him as a different character to Iron Man. You know, he, he is not... Um, how you know he's not he's not a stark you know he's not he's not him and he's the next the first person you see after that he's you know on a par with iron man so they've tried to set him up as a completely different character and he's it's very serious but there's humor that it tries to be humorous at times but some of the common comic relief just isn't i mean just isn't funny it's the girl from um i can't remember what it's called the pizza shop, one donut shop. Broke girl. Girl oh, two Dennings. broke Girls. broke girl. So she's in it, you know, she gets a few sort of funny lines, but they're not, they're not really funny. You know, it's just not landed. It's, but it's, I think it's done knowingly. I think, you know, I don't think it, I, it just doesn't, uh, for me, I, I found it probably the least funny uh, of of any of the MCU films.
2: Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so, Alex, what
0: did you want to add to that? The may, uh, I think the main thing it's not figured out is Thor's character. You watch Thor Ragnarok and within that first, you know that first sequence where he's just like going round in the circle <laughs> at the beginning. You know, we're laughing already. It, it, You just thought like, oh yeah, that's Thor. Yeah, yeah, that's Thor. It's kind of like, you know, it, it, they sort of crack the character. And the first two films, you know, I wouldn't say it's just Thor. It's the Dark World one as well. Yeah. It, they just haven't got him Right. And he's not, there's so much fun to be had on the fact that he's kind of like got this sort of like God aspect that, you know, slowly, I know over time, slowly becomes more human. But they just hadn't figured that out in this film. And they just didn't mind. Again, it's the big thing is just these opportunities, like open goals that they just keep missing. Where, like, and they don't spend any time on his character really. It's just all about plot and what happens to Thor. And then the next thing that happens to Thor, next thing that happens to Thor. Not a lot of character development in general. and I'm sorry and and I know this kind of isn't fair because we're talking about Thor the first one. but if you've watched Thor Ragnarok or the Avengers film post Thor Ragnarok with like the end game, mm. it, you just you just don't find Thor fun because you're just looking at him like where's are you, are you the laughs? Me? <laughs> yeah, where <laughs> you just don't you you just wear the last for? so I, I I find it it's very hard to re-watch this film. I know I know that's maybe not how it should be. Um, viewed and the last thing and this is so petty he's got shit eyebrows <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> his eyebrows is shit and like it, I, it shouldn't be a big thing for me but I'm watching scenes and I'm just like he's like talking to Loki and Loki's telling him like your father's dead Thor and Thor's like, oh, and like he's crying and stuff like that and it's like, that's amazing, Chris hemworth It's just a pity your
2: eyebrows are shit <laughs> and know, I can't <laughs> take my eyes off those sandy, that's, uh, these sandy blonde <laughs> eyebrows. <But laughs> I, I, read, I read an interview with Kevin Feige, you know, the producer of all the MCU movies and they were talking about regrets in the MCU and he says one of his biggest regrets was, dying Chris Hemsworth's <laughs> eyebrows in I know it's, it's, fun. it's not a
0: big thing it shouldn't I don't think that should sway your opinion that's not going to sway my opinion. <laughs> but it still <laughs> is
1: like it, you still know you still I, I couldn't stop looking at him on what which note I will eyebrows. concede his eyebrows do look weird <laughs> <laughs> if, uh, you, you do find yourself watching this thinking God Thor's eyebrows have improved over <laughs> the but I'd like okay. to come back at some of Alex's yeah. points though if, if I may yeah. uh, what were they before you went on about eyebrows again <laughs> I, I was talking about
0: is lack of humor there was a lot of potential That's it. That's what and i, I said some unfair like things him. about ragnarok that maybe yeah. should, but yeah, i do want yeah. to
1: mention the fact that you know ragnarok came many years later you know if if this hadn't been such a success We might not even have had Ragnarok. We might not have had it as we know it. And it's a bit harsh to judge it on a film. You know, Ragnarok is a better film. I will accept that. that Ragnarok is the best of the three Thor films. But that's not to say you can write off the other two just because they're not as good. And when Alex said there was no character development, I have to dispute that. This is the character of Thor. He's introduced as an arrogant god. He's introduced as a man who has no... um, humility and no foresight for for mortality you know he just doesn't care you know he is the the uh, apathetic god who can do whatever he wants and woe betide anyone who says he can't he has to learn humility he has to learn how to work with mortals This is character development. This is how his character twists and becomes the character that we later know from further Avengers films. You know, how did the man become, you know, the god of thunder, a man who's been worshipped as a deity for centuries? How does that character become someone who can work alongside mortals with humility and with, you know, with grace that we came to see from Chris Hemsworth's Thor? You needed this film. You needed this film to develop that character and to bring this character into the realms of which the fans have connected to. And the character has continued to develop, sometimes in terms of what the fans wanted to see, i.e. more humor, because Chris Hemsworth proved that he is an adept comic actor, and also in terms of where the producers, I believe, wanted to take the character. But you've got to introduce him first. You've got to set him up and you've got to explain how this character came into being.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Makes makes sense, to be honest. Um. So talking about the character, I think we should move on to casting characters. Um, I, so I, I do have a question. Um, one of the things I was hoping for from Kenneth Branham, as director is more sort of character work. And you think about the kind of the films that he's directed before, the Shakespearean adaptations and the relationships between characters and the sort of machinations that go on behind the scenes. This sounds like it would be right for him. To, to, to direct, you know, when you think about the the Thor's character, and then you've got the the brother who is like secretly trying to overthrow the father, and then the relationship between the father. And, you know, it does sound like a you know a Shakespearean tragedy. Um, so how does Kenneth Banner um work with those characters? Uh, question to Dave. You know, like how, how are those characters fully developed, and, and the relationships uh, explored to the the full potential?
1: absolutely i mentioned it before i thought kenneth brown had got a great performance out of his collective cast and he's got some big actors to work with you know mcu's ambition uh, was being realized by this point and it shows in the actors that they've cast these were actors they were going to have to work with on multiple occasions going forward so they had to cast these roles well and they cast them perfectly i think the casting for this is absolutely impeccable chris emsworth who i think had done a few major films but he wasn't a big household name at this point he, he looks the part of Thor. He acts the part of Thor. This was perfect casting. I mean, you just have to see him in the later works to realize just how on the nose they got it. This guy was perfect for Thor. And the performance he gives, as I say, the character progression, the character arc in all this, you know, you don't expect such complex character arcs from comic book films. MCU have really brought the characters to life and really made them fully fleshed out 3D characters. And this is one of the films where it all began. And Kenneth Branagh was the perfect guy to do it. Not just in terms of Hemsworth Thor, but also in terms of uh, Tom Hiddleston's Loki, who has become an iconic villain. He's become, people call him the MCU villain you love to hate. You know, he's he's a tool, but you just want to see more of him. You want to see, uh, th- there's a Loki TV series coming. You know, even the fact that he was killed off at one point in one of the films, they keep bringing him back. He's a fan favorite, and you can see why. Tom Hiddleston's performance is charismatic, it is charming, it's also slimy, it is sleazy, you know, it's everything you'd expect the Norse god of trickery to be. He's embodied the character brilliantly. Anthony Hopkins brings a distinctive gravitas to the role of Odin. I think you needed an old-school stage actor to just have that presence, that undeniable presence. Now, Hopkins is one of those I think can get quite hammy, at times. And you'd think Anthony Hopkins being directed by Kenneth Branagh, this could be a recipe for disaster. Mm -hmm. Between the two of them, they pull it back. I think maybe because Anthony Hopkins' lines work so well and just his delivery of it, you know, even when he's flying into a rage or when he's like trying to talk down his son by calming him down, he delivers these lines with such gravitas. You know, he's an old school actor and he's still got it. You know, he may make a few misses along the way. But he can still do it. And you got these also this great ensemble of Natalie Portman and Stellan Skarsgard, Jeremy Renner, as I mentioned, even though he's only in it briefly. You got Agent Coulson finally getting a decent role in this one. You know, he's got a cameo from Samuel L. Jackson. You've got Rene Russo as Anthony Hopkins' wife, Frigga. Again, it's it's just a solid supporting cast, and everyone's hitting all the right notes. And I think Kenneth Branagh's is directing them in the right way as well. He's using these characters well.
2: Okay. Thank you very much, Dave. Obviously, I mean that sounds like a really good cast list. And they said that they all give really good performances, directed very well by Kenneth Branagh. How do you disagree with that? Uh,
3: you know, I don't, I, it's hard to, it's hard to disagree or, or not. Everyone I felt was of a similar level. There's no shining star in this film because it's just a bit tedious. So while you want everything, you know, there's little glimmers of hope throughout. You want um, you know, you I mean if, for me, if anything like uh Anthony Hopkins is very much just phoning it in. This is a easy role, isn't it? From for, for him, this is just a nothing job. You know, it's just an easy paycheck. And and you can you get the feel of that. But for everyone else, it just no one no one shines. Nobody shines whatsoever in this. It's um and, and they really should. It's you know, it's almost three hours long. someone should shine for at least a bit of this film Um, you know he's a fucking god of thunder like the thunder and lightning if nothing else somebody has got to be the you know the big dick in all of this you know they just they're not Um, you know and I think if you're a fan of the movie uh, of the universe then some of the stellar cast that Dave's talking about um, is enjoyable because going back to watch it again, I was like, oh, shit, I didn't even click on that that was Hawkeye, you know. I would never have known, not knowing anything about the comics the first time I watched it. He's just the guy with a fucking bow and arrow in a gunfight. Like, w- what a dick, you know. Obviously, <laughs> if you know more about it, then you can pick him up. But it there were just glimmers of hope, glimmers of uh, glimmers of enjoyment ready to happen. But it's, um, yeah, I don't think there's any shining...
1: Shining moments shining in this one.
2: Shining stars. But yeah. right, Alex, uh, would you agree agree
1: with that? Sorry, Dave. Um, Can I just, just briefly say that Thor clocks in at under two hours, not nearly three. under two hours. So uh, it. Sorry, I, I, mean, it I think it's like one fifty nine. Oh, I take that. it back. <laughs> it is. It's
0: like still so under too. two I it was hours. Here.
3: It's
2: not I close it was to two three. hours.
0: You know, it's, you know, not, it's not like me sure.
3: yeah, It's, outside,
0: right. Right. it's, you know, it's... <laughs> I know Ozzy, you'll have to check your facts on that <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um,
2: Alex, yeah. give us a little bit about characters uh, I've seen Anthony Hopkins phoning in a, a fair few times to be honest Dave says that that's not the case here and he actually is one of the biggest standout performers in the film um, well, Do did you, did you agree? Uh, standout
0: performer possibly Tom Hiddleston um, I like like Aussies just got it on the nail on the head. There are glimmers, so you look at Anthony Hopkins and you're like, yeah, that could be good. It's not good here, but it could be good. And and there are little moments that maybe Anthony Hopkins has some has some of the finer moments. Chris Hemsworth again, I, you know, and I, I don't. And it's hard to know, right? But I don't think you are just comparing it to Ragnarok. You are just his character just isn't hasn't got enough to go to it. There's a reason why they pushed him into being. Uh, interesting in Ragnarok with the humor. And I know Dave's saying that the, he needed to start off somewhere, but no, you just start off with the interesting thing, Do you know what I mean? You don't you don't like build up in a like basically that's just a, like sort of saying he's a boring character. And and he, and he is. He, he's just not he, he's just not very interesting all the way through it. I'd say Chris Hemsworth um the performances wise, Chris Hemsworth, Tom Hiddleston and Anthony Hopkins all do a solid performance but i'd say that some of the supporting cast are woefully underdeveloped i mean jeremy Renner's is barely in it you know he's just he's literally just he just hops in a crane is booted up he gets his bow and arrow out and he, he does nothing reni russo again she's in like she's in it twice i mean the 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 backup teams Captain dersen and skarsgard i i thought and natalie portman woefully underdeveloped especially natalie portman because she's meant to be the driving force especially by the end nothing to her, like absolutely nothing to it like Ozzy said She's a scientist just because you're told she's a scientist and she just seems... I'm sorry, she just seems gorgeous and that seems like the only thing that's sort of really going on in, in, in her character-wise. The worst characters haven't even been mentioned yet and they're Thor's backup team like Sif and then there's some, <laughs> there's some guy who's just like eats a lot and that seems to be hilarious. Like, And I'm sorry, I'm going to say... I'm going to climb out of Kenneth Branagh's asshole here and say that I don't actually... I don't actually like him that much as a director... Or as an actor, I'm not. I'm not as big. I'm not as big a fan. I don't this idea that like wow, he's fantastic with Shakespearean. I mean, it's based on Shakespearean books. They should be good characters. There should be good plots. I don't think he does direct things very well. Um, and I don't. Listen, I all does, I'm
2: going to say is I find it quite comfortable being in Kenneth Banner's art right? I,
0: I, I don't think he's done. He hasn't. Like for character wise, there's not enough humanity to them. There's not enough just enjoyment of, of of anything and the characters are just like woefully under underdeveloped they just didn't really sit down and spend enough time get Hawkeye in have a thing with Hawkeye in when he comes in later or don't have him at all have this team actually be a big part of the plot they don't do anything they're completely superfluous yeah. to the plot I mean maybe they bring something at some point perhaps but I'm not even sure then the the team Kat Dennings it's just a bit it's a bit superfluous and it's just underdeveloped. And like I know it's not three hours, but it is two hours. And there was enough time to to spend doing this. And other films that have had an hour and a half have have managed to do it. And it's because of this over it's this over focus on just plot points on this and this happening and people saying that this is happening and then people saying something about that having happened, and it being a nice little line, but not spending any time developing characters or making it interesting and fun for the viewer. Like, that's 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 what you get from watching Thor. You just think, this isn't fun. I'm not enjoying this.
2: Okay. Dave, um, whatever you are going to retort there, can you put it into your closing arguments? <laughs> um, uh, oh, I was going to go very quickly, very, very quickly though. What you what you going to say? Back no, to no, Alex? no. I'll
1: put it in my closing argument. I'll try and squeeze it in.
2: Okay, right. Um, so starting off with, obviously, very, 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 very briefly, Give me a, a, a closing argument.
3: If I had a hammer,
2: <laughs>
3: I'd hammer this film up. and <laughs> smash it into
2: pieces. <laughs> Never let anybody see it again. Obviously
0: he speaks for me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Alex, did you want to say anything? Did you want to add anything to that?
0: Uh, a lot right, of potential, said, sadly. Hammer out
2: danger.
1: Hammer <laughs> out Don't watch this uh, film. Wow.
0: Well,
2: uh, yeah. I was, I was thinking,
0: what to add to that
2: i've got god alex what did you want to add to that
0: <laughs> lots of potential not not nothing happened in this one didn't happen in the second one and they it clicked in the third one and they figured it out and you know they should have figured it out in the first one it was all there it was all ready to go and i think if they'd got taika watiti or someone who was funny to do that one but i mean i think that's that's your problem i don't think kenneth branagh is a funny, humorous person who really understood the material he was working with. Didn't think when I was started doing this I was gonna slag off Kenneth Island quite as <laughs> much me. as I have. <laughs> 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 yeah,
2: been, <laughs> to be honest, like, but yeah. Sorry, I, Sir yeah. Ken, if you
0: are listening. Sorry, is it a Sir? Gee, it should be. <laughs> if it isn't, it should be.
2: Dave, you'll know, is it Sir or not? It is, it is. It is oh, That's a night oh, of the world that you're talking about. There. <laughs> <laughs> when we finally have to go to war for our fish, <laughs> Sir <laughs> Ken is gonna be leading the charge. <laughs> and he ain't gonna protect you, pal.
1: <laughs> no right. fish for you. <laughs> Okay,
2: Dave, if uh, Dave, you get a little bit more time to, to
1: your closing argument because of Ozzy's impromptu song, so <laughs> what would you like to say? I, I loved Ozzy's impromptu song, for one thing. But um, I've also got to say that the, this is, film has been very unfairly treated on this podcast. We're all looking at it over Ragnarok. And, you know, once you look at it from hindsight, Ragnarok is a superior film. They really hit the uh, home run on that one this film was still crucial in terms of the MCU. This is a key foundation stone that was set down in terms of the Avengers, in terms of guardians, in terms of Ragnarok and in terms of everything that has followed on afterwards. If this film hadn't been successful and hadn't been well done, the landscape would have changed completely. So if you're going to look at it in the big picture and keep Ragnarok in there, you've got to respect that this film uh, was crucial in bringing those films to the uh, the form in which we now know them. That, uh, that said, as a film on its own merit, it stands up. The direction is solid. I dispute anyone who says that it is not. The cast, I think, do a superb job. They were perfectly cast for their roles. Alex mentioned before, the bit I wanted to come back on was talking about the superfluous characters. They are just that they are superfluous characters you know they are supporting characters you can't develop every character that flickers up onto the screen you there's not time you know we're trying to keep this under two hours like i say this is for a younger audience you got to keep the dialogue snappy you got to keep the action interspersed throughout and you've got to keep your characters interesting develop them develop your key ones form relationships, form goals, but you can't do that for everybody who passes through the screen. And I think all in all, when everything's said and done, this film looks great. It's got solid CGI. Marvel were clearly putting the money into the films. They've got a solid director, they've got a solid cast, and they use them all exceptionally well.
2: Okay, thank you very much for that, Dave. Right, okay, so uh, I've got Quite a bit to mull over. So while I'm mulling, I think it's time for a quiz that I'm going to uh, do. So I'm going to try and deliver the quiz while I'm mulling. So it's all about, uh, well, I'll give you the title. It's called Thor or Thord. And you guys have got to choose whether it is a character from Norse mythology or a Scandinavian frozen food company. (laughs) Mm, Uh, So so, yeah, I was originally going to call it Thor Arse. But I don't think it it captured what the quiz was about. Why didn't you? Why didn't you want to? You know, because I made such a highbrow joke at the beginning. and I was like, I don't want to lower the tone. And also, if we call it Thor they might not realize that it's about frozen food. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Where's this going? Not again.
3: (laughs) I love love that you do think of a highbrow title. Pretty much week in, week out. However... You always feel the yeah. need to tell us the Low Bright title because that's the one you really, really
1: <laughs> yeah, are yeah, proud of. Like, that's the one you're you really, proud of. No, you really do like have your real cake baby. And eat it. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly
0: <laughs> when it comes to these titles.
2: I like the best of both worlds, you know. <laughs> See, with me, it's like kind of going out for a hamburger and staying home and eating a steak. You know, you get both you get both of them. Anyway. Brilliant. <laughs> right. So the first one is dinar, dinar.
0: Didn't... Uh, Scandinavian food company.
2: Food company. Like uh, Norse mythology. Uh, well done, Aussie. Norse mythology. Yes, <laughs> uh, it's, it's Thor. Is it's Thor? Basically, in Old High German. So yeah. Um. Second one is. Uh, you know what you...
0: I've. Ju- I, I... <laughs> What? I haven't been keeping up with my old high German
1: recently. <laughs> it's not changing. It's not changing. There's nothing to keep up with. No,
2: I know. no, no, no. There's, there's been a lot of advancements in the new high German <laughs> testament. Um, okay, so the next one is Gefion. Gefion.
0: Norse mythology.
3: Food.
2: Food. Okay, well done to Alex. That one is the goddess associated with ploughing or as we say in the UK (laughs) lovemaking okay so um, next one is uh, Magna Hill Magna Hill Mm, food okay food Uh, food Dave food uh, well done, you're all right. It is food, a second-generation Swedish family company that specialises in frozen organic vegetables. Uh, okay, good, to know. good, to, know. good yeah. to know. Well done. Uh, okay, so the <laughs> next one is Polarica. Polarica. That's good for like
1: food. Fruit. Yeah, yeah, food I'm sticking with food. All the
2: same sounds food like... again. Uh, well sounds done, you like something all from IKEA. It, you, yeah, you probably can't get it in IK because it's a Nordic company that specializes in frozen berries, including lingonberries, sea buckthorn, and cloudberries. So... I've
1: never had any of those berries in my <laughs> life.
2: <laughs> now you know where to get them from, Dave. Okay, the next one is Gosta. Gosta.
3: That sounds like a mythology. It'd be both. But yeah. mythology, I'm going to go for
2: I'm
1: going to go with mythology.
2: Uh, and you're such
1: a good chocolate.
2: <laughs> all wrong. It's a Swedish company that uh, specializes in frozen fish and seafood. Okay, mm-hmm. so the next one is Forsitter. Forsitter.
0: Mythology. Mythology. Yeah. Food.
2: Um, uh, well done. Alex and Dave. Uh well it's the Norse gods of justice and reconciliation. Um, and the penultimate one is Ratatosk. Ratatosk
3: Mythology. Disney film.
2: <laughs> in russian uh, in, in russian
3: <laughs> i'm gonna say mythology isn't it a little little mouse that
1: it's a great chef <laughs> <Steve>. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go with mythology
2: uh, yeah, you're all right. Uh, it is. Uh, but it's not a mouse. It's a mischievous squirrel who runs up and down the world <laughs> tree delivering messages. So, yeah. Cook, and then, cooks
3: an amazing soup.
2: got <laughs> <who just cuts laughs> an amazing ratatouille. Like delivering the, uh, messages. <laughs> Who's up that tree? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the whole world, Dave. The whole world. Um, wow. So the last one is Ardo. Ardo.
3: Food. Food.
2: Food. Yeah, all right there. It's a Swedish company that specializes in frozen fruit and vegetables. So it's the got next... have
1: frozen, fu- f- frozen fruit. Um, it's very cold.
2: Actually, yeah. <laughs> I didn't, that, that's it the didn't only intend one that's... it to be that way. Things Just <laughs> yeah, <it's> just...
0: <laughs> just call it food in
2: Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> <But it's>... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well done. So the winner there is Alex. Congratulations. You've just won yourself a bag of frozen Lindenberry uh, ah. berries. Like, <laughs> uh, I, I can't guarantee that they'll still be frozen by the time I post them to you. <laughs> right, I'm going to keep this short and sweet. Um, very good points, to be honest. Very interesting. Um, I'm going to admit that when I watched Thor for the first, I've only seen it once in 2011. I didn't like it at all, to be honest. Uh, you know, and I don't. I think maybe at that point it's because the only other MCU film I'd seen was Iron Man. Um, so, taking that out of, of my thought process, I think that there's a lot of good arguments on both sides. Uh, Alex, when you were saying that there's a lot of potential here, but they needed to figure it out a bit sooner and that they could have spent a bit more time focusing on the character of Jane and their relationship with Thor, I do appreciate that. I think that Jane is probably one of the biggest characters. In the, in, uh, in the Thor uh, films and they sort of dropped the ball with Jane so much so that they had to write about out the third film and they're going to bring her back in the fourth to make up for it but I do agree with Dave when he said there the are superfluous characters you're going to have that you're not going to have a film where... Every single character is developed. I'm thinking about like Die Hard. I don't really know a lot about the backstory of the reporter and you know what he does when he gets home with this with black eye. Does he, he put frozen
1: lingonberries on them or does he put frozen <laughs> fruit and veg? I don't know. What's, what's Eddie's motivation in Die Hard? <laughs> yeah.
2: So, you know, I, I can understand that. And although you said that a lot of the other characters aren't very well developed, I think really this is about Thor. And when you compare him from the film Thor, the original one to the later films you can see how much he's grown as a character and it sounds like he does a lot of that in this film. I forgot that he started off as this brash arrogant figure that had to be humbled and had to learn how to work with others. That sounds like it's an important part of that character building process. I also think that the spotlight on Loki as well um as Dave said if this wouldn't have been so popular or so successful then we wouldn't really have this Loki TV show coming you know like he has become one of those villains that you love to hate or just love to love and I think there's also a lot of developments of the character Odin as well Um, I think it was always going to be a difficult task for any director especially Kenneth Branagh because he hasn't had that <laughs> much experience in directing comic book films or big action films but it sounds like he did an all right job with what he was given And the fact is that this is such an important starting block for this big franchise. If it wouldn't have worked, then we might not be where we're at now with the MCU. And, you know, it does sort of lay the groundwork for realising or capturing what these otherworldly sort of um, scenes or places would look like for other directors to build upon in the future. So well done, Dave. You've changed my mind. I am going to place Thor on the hit list. So well done, Dave. Oh, I can't even. Here we go. Right. So honest opinions. Alex, I've got a feeling that this is your genuine opinion.
0: Yeah, no, it is. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I maybe I don't think I really stretched it too much. Um Dave's right, there is character development of 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 uh, Thor. But no, I mean I do think some of the characters, you know, we were talking about superfluous characters, but if they're superfluous, don't have minute, you know, and, and there's so many characters that I would say maybe. If You hadn't had the minute, you could have spent more time focusing on Jane. I just think it's a bit of a boring film. And I I think it's too much plot development and not enough. Um not enough just taking its time. Uh, and yeah,
2: I mean, I, I don't it's
0: impossible to watch this after watching Ragnarok, I think, and be entertained. I I, I
2: so, and, uh, yeah, but I think I you've got to look at it as a separate film because I think Ragnarok just did so much for that character you know oh, but, but so how can humor. you
0: it's hard to you, you just can't now watch it it's, even not Ragnarok even just after, get, after Endgame or one of those films it's just hard to watch Thor now and just be like who is this that that's your question really it's just who's this character so no for me deserved No, I'm not completely on the other list totally but it would have edged onto it for me
3: yeah
0: okay
2: and Ozzy
3: um when I first saw it, I thought it was just boring and shit. Um, but actually, you know, I, I, watching it again with Katie and it was, there were times where I felt like I had to, I kept having to like, oh, you see that, you can remember that, you know, and it's all of the, it's good to watch it. Once you already know what's going to happen, you know, where he yeah. becomes, I felt like I was apologizing for it a lot. I still liked it as a film. I think there were a few funny moments, which I didn't find funny the first time around. I appreciated some of the jokes a little bit better. Um, you know, and some of them some of them actually are funny, but because I was bored of the film, I just didn't give it give it a break. Whereas this time around, yeah, I kind of liked it. Um, so I think I'd have edged it to the hit list as well, but only for what it becomes rather than what it actually is.
2: Okay, right. Thank you very much, Ozzy.
1: And finally, Dave? Um, yeah, I, mo- I agree with most of what I said. Um, it does get a little dull at some point and given it's not one of the longest marvel films you know it, it has no scope to really get tedious and boring at any point but it does um i do believe the performances are good i do think Kenneth Branagh did a decent job especially because this this isn't his forte this isn't a field he knows much about i think erin did a very solid job it is crucial this film in terms of building what mcu would become um but it is tough to look back at it now we've seen ragnarok ragnarok is that's a much better Thor. It's a much more entertaining Thor. It is tricky to go back to this one, which is you know the the character in its infancy before Hemsworth knew where he was going to take it, before Feige knew where he wanted to take it. Um, but it's still good. It's still a solid entry into the MCU. I actually quite liked it when I first saw it. Looking back on it now, it's harder because of how Thor has developed. But that's testimony to the fact that they got the casting right, and Hemsworth has taken this character places. Um, so yeah, I think it was it's a key foundation stone. And I would put it on the hit list, for sure.
2: Thanks, Steve.
0: That, that's Alex. when, sorry, just Thor, that's when they sort of, it feels like they got their shit together and were like, right, we're going to take this and we're going to start doing, and we're going to make an incredibly large amount of money, right? That's yeah. That That seems like, because Iron Man and Iron Man 2, they're all sort of standalone films, whereas this yeah.
1: one... Well, this one, he's, the inclusion of Hawkeye, even though it is just a cameo, yeah, they're yeah. sowing seeds. East. He, Eggs, I suppose yeah. fans would put exactly They're sowing that. seeds. They're teasing yeah. what is going to come on on the horizon next. That,
3: that's exactly what I was. I felt after watching it this, the 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 next time round is that oh, now nah, that makes sense. That scene makes sense. All yeah. of these little bits suddenly feed into the big story, and yeah. it's like oh, that's that's very very clever. It's, it's, it's a bit not- annoying on its own. It's not a bit, it's that bit
0: when he says to Coulson right at the end, he goes, I'll be your ally forever, by the way. See ya. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bye. Oh, no, fuck. Nice. Like, Here's great. <laughs> I'm really That's glad he said you. that last. <laughs> I'm really glad he said that last bit. I was yeah. incredibly specific considering he doesn't know me. <laughs>
2: at yeah. all. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, uh, so higher or lower than our previous film on trial which on Rotten Tomatoes scored 73% critical and
1: 72% audience scores I think it's quite high to go. I wouldn't it's going to
3: be higher isn't it because it's
1: Marvel I'm going to say, gonna say about, 70, about 70 I'm going to say on the money the same
2: um, well yeah I think Alex is right Dave you're not too far off so 77 and 76 so just slightly higher than Matrix Reloaded and um, yeah, so uh, very interesting. I think it's... Uh, just, like, I just went on to Rotten Tomatoes and there was a link to an article which was like the list of um, the worst, or not worst, but... Um, the the, the least, least best. The least best MCU films <laughs> and both that and Thor 2 do feature on it. But uh, looking at the sort of um, general summary, um, it did sort of make quite a lot of money as well when people like did go back and watch it again. So... I mean, I think, is it a case of, like, it was bad when it first came out and everyone's like, that's a bad film? Or Marvel have honed their sort of storytelling so much and, you know, they've got it to a fine art now and they've injected so much humour and these other things, other fundamental aspects into the filmmaking. That Going back and
1: watching it, it just doesn't stand up. It's not as polished. I I think it's the latter. I think it's certainly the latter. Yeah, this was the
3: first branch in having multiple... You know, this was the first one in the big picture isn't it you know the 15 hour underneath to five ten year i don't know how long it took in the end but this was the very first one that was actually setting up everybody else yeah. i think
2: okay uh alex you don't agree i think uh, judging by your face you think it was shit from the no get, no the
0: no, yeah, no. <laughs> i just think i just think you can't really judge i don't think i, mean, I was just thinking can you judge a superhero film by its box office because they just shit money, and Suicide Squad made it back. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I don't know if that's a good yardstick. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, maybe you know it's fair enough if people want to go back, but it's also part of the franchise. So part of it is like I went back and watched all the four films again and uh, all the MCU films again over lockdown. Do you know what I mean? Because why not? <laughs> I did the same thing, Yeah, exactly. You, it, you're, yeah. you're gonna watch Thor because it's it's quite an integral part of it, and you know. So I don't know if it how much you can judge it it, as being a good film on its own. What I did know is I felt like I got through Thor. No, do you know what? Thor was okay. Thor 2 was awful. That was just like grinding my way through that film. And then Ragnarok comes and it's actually worth it. Like like Mm -hmm. Ragnarok is so much better that you're actually kind of glad that you have watched the two before, just so you understand a bit where the characters are coming from.
2: Well, thank you very much for that, guys. Really appreciate it once again. Uh, just to say the next film has been pulled out of the hat at random, and it is Dr. Sleep. So in defense of that, it's going to be me. In prosecution, it's going to be Dave and Ozzy, and that means that Alex is going to be the judge. So just before we call it a day, I just want to say thank you to everybody who has listened to this episode. If you did like it, please leave us a nice review. Give us a like, share, and subscribe. And follow us on all the social media, our Film Trials on Twitter and Films on Trial on Facebook youtube and instagram so that's it we have pulled thor on trial and it is a i can't even remember it's a hit isn't it just because we've been speaking so negatively about it then i was like
1: wow. yeah. was I? It,
2: was a hit. it was a hit and we will be directly in your ears next week with dr sleep so goodbye everyone no so don't go out and eat us a sloppy hamburger essentially because you've got a steak at home. That's it's not what the thing is? Oh is it? I
0: mean I like the introduction sloppy, but
2: <laughs> <laughs> sloppy hamburger with some some other guys. <laughs> already taking a couple of bites out of <laughs>